Nelson. You dumbass. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Philly Experience Podcast. Hope everybody's doing safe and well. February the 11th is the day we're recording this episode. As always, by WIP producer, excuse me, Tire Hood. And we know it's hard. Dan and I, a part of WHIP, always get into these hot topics each and every week on there. Guys, we want to start it with the Sixers today. We want to touch on the Super Bowl after that and dive into the Eagles at the end of this podcast. But first, if you're not already, follow us at the Philly Experience Podcast on Instagram and at the Philly EXP1 on Twitter for the latest content, breaking news updates in Philadelphia sports. What the hell is going on? Again, bringing the energy every show, and I love it. And here's the reason why. Because we're kicking it off tonight. With the Philadelphia 76ers currently in the midst of a four-game road trip against pretty pretty uh, pretty tough couple of teams, you know, Sacramento Kings, Portland Trailblazers. Even though CJ McCollum's out, still a tough team always, especially going out on the road, and also play the Utah Jazz later on in this road trip as well. They're always a tough team. I think they're first right now in the Western Conference. So we already talked about you know MD Joel Embiid and his MVP race, how great he's been this season. We talk about Ben Simmons, and I think we've all gotten to the point where he's producing more and more each game as it goes by after struggling early on in the season. It's Not ridiculous. Basketball, his free throws, he's been getting able to get to the line, knocked down at a higher percentage than usual that we've seen in previous years. And what? then also you got to touch on Matisse Thibel in the defense. I mean, he's been great. I'm just going to pinpoint his performance against De'Aaron Fox the other night late in that ball game. Seth Curry was taken out um, for a defensive substitution. Danny Green was also taken out as well for defensive substitution. They would get Matisse Stiebel and Shake Milton on that court, and they really closed that door on the Kings because they were coming back in that one. We were able to really stamp Pat and finish that one off. So let's just talk about the reaction all right, from the Kings game specifically because I think one thing is important to point out. Last year in Brett Brown's tenure as a Sixers coach, that's a game the Sixers probably lose. Definitely. You know, we get a big lead. You know, they probably blow it. We, we have a track record of that in previous seasons on a Brett Brown. But I think that game against the Kings was the first night Doc Rivers really uh, really showed out and showed the Philadelphia fan base why his you know tutelage and his knowledge and his rotational play with the minutes that he distributes to these players is different and is resulting in more wins for the Sixers. Oh, man, I can definitely – yeah, I, I agree with you. That Kings game is a game that we would have lost um, under Brett Brown. Um, we have voiced our very hostile opinions on Brett Brown, to say the least. Um, that's just to say he, he wasn't very popular on his program, but that but I digress. But it's glad I'm I'm so happy to see that we're winning those close games. I don't like the fact that teams are coming back. That I don't like because they get a lead. They get comfortable, they start coasting, and then all of a sudden they allow the opposing team to start coming back. That I don't like. That I think will get corrected eventually, but I do like the fact that we're pulling away in these wins and Joella B continues to put on an, an entire MVP performance. And All right, don't don't start pushing Ben Simmons in my face, y'all. Like I, I kid you not. He, he still pisses me off to this day. All right? No, he, I didn't he's still not shooting. I would never do that to you. I would never do that to you. All right, don't but do that. I will admit, when we lost that game against Portland at home, it was a big miss with him off the floor. Uh, look, look, I already spilled my guts. All right, what you want me to do? I already spilled my guts. What do you want me to do? All right, well, I said I admitted that Ben Simmons, all right, was is a big factor on this team. I said that. What you what, what you want from me now? Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris can't even crack the top 10 
in all-star voting. Are you surprised by that? I very. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Tobias Harris is one thing. You know, I mean, I get it. People, the track record of Tobias Harris in this NBA, his career over the years isn't great. But Ben Simmons, I mean, there's guys like Fred Van Fleet ahead of him. Julius Randle is not Julius Randle's having a good season, but come on, there's no there's no track record there. What has Julius Randle done that Tobias Harris Tobias Harris has not done? I'm, oh, I'm oh, I will say this, man. Julius Randle for the Knicks, man. He is just going off like is Julius Randle and everybody else in the Knicks. So let listen. Julius Randle is going off this season. So him being voted into the All Star game and having more votes, uh, kind of merited. Just saying. You know what I have to. Th- what I think about Ben Simmons and his – he didn't obviously crack the top ten, as Max mentioned, but this is good for the Sixers. Ben Simmons doesn't have to be that guy. Uh, we have a the surrounding cast around them. Ben Simmons, we can bring up his lack of a three-point and drive crazy. But Ben Simmons, he doesn't need to be that all-star. He doesn't – He does. he's just the leader on this team. If Joel Embiid is out, we've had concerns about can Ben Simmons lead the team without Joel Embiid. I think that's starting to come to fruition that he he can be a leader on this team. Now, Joel Embiid, he drops, what, 25-plus points the past nine games, mm-hmm. nine straight games. So, Joel, he's balling out there. He's candidate for MVP. The first time and to do that on this team just, since Allen Iverson. Right. Yeah, Ben, uh, ben Simmons, Joel Embiid—they can play together. I think the case is is set right there. But we really need to look more into this starting five. Is this the starting five that we want to go into the playoffs with? I'm comfortable with going in to the playoffs with this starting five. Honestly, I, th- I think there's nothing wrong with this starting five. You have shooters. You have your backup shooters. You have your facilitator. You know, you have your big man in the paint. I have no problem going in with this starting five. It's just that, you know, they do need to add some shooters to this bench. And, you know, that's a major concern. That's something that we've talked about on a numerous occasions. So I, th- I think this bench still needs some work. You know, Tony, you bring up a good point. I think Danny Green right now, and, and I know we, we have been skeptical of him and his shooting ability that, you know, has been clutch at times this year. I'll give him that. He has made a couple big shots in key situations. But you look at the box score each night, and maybe he is knocking down the three ball occasionally, especially lately. But you look at the box score recently, and you see one of seven, one of six, one of eight, two of 12. Like, it's an unfortunate situation for Danny Green and, and what he's going through right now because I, I do think that this this lineup could benefit from a Kyle Lowry trade, and we know that's been going around in the rumor mill recently. I'm hearing Kyle Lowry uh, for Danny Green just based on the fact that he's on an expiring contract, throwing a couple of guys all low on the bench like Terrence Ferguson, for example, maybe Vincent Poirier, one of those guys, maybe both, and a first-round pick, which personally I would do because I think you, ha- you need to have somebody on the court that can defend – either Kyrie Irving and James Harden, because we're on a collision course to face the Brooklyn Nets. If all things, you know, stay the same and people stay healthy. And I get that. That's a big question mark. But when you have Danny Green and Seth Curry on the floor at the same time, Ben Simmons, there's not five Ben Simmons on the floor. All right. There's one Ben Simmons and he can only guard either Harden, Durant probably, or Kyrie. So there's a problem there. You can't rely on Seth Curry to guard Kyrie Irving. I mean, I hear you. That's just embarrassing. We don't want to see that happen. And that's no disrespect to Seth Curry. That's just because Kyrie Irving is probably one of the best players in the world right now. James Harden, same thing. Do you want Danny Green to be able to stay with James Harden? Probably not. I don't like that matchup at all. So Kyle Lowry being, you know, one of the veteran guys in this league, and you know, he makes his money on that offensive side of the ball or that defensive side of the ball, excuse me, but also has that opportunity to knock down a three, maybe not as a high rate as Danny Green, but still capable. And he's proven that over his career. So 
I think Tanner, I have to side with you and personally just think, you know, would we be a better team if we have Kyle Lowry inserted into this lineup, for example, than Danny Green? Absolutely. But it depends on what we would have to give up to get him. And personally, I hate Kyle Lowry. I've rooted for him so how, for how many years? So, uh, you know, it, it goes both ways. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. We're not just going to smooth right on past that. What's your beef with Kyle Lowry? It's a Philly native, man. What is wrong with you? I just don't like him. I rooted for him for how many years in this league? I hate the Raptors. The Raptors killed our hopes with the Kawhi shot. Kyle Lowry was a part of that and so on and so forth. So for those reasons, I hate Kyle Lowry. Oh, come on, man. Kyle Lowry got nothing to do with Kawhi Leonard hitting that shot. Uh, You know another thing why? Because he flops all the time. He's always looking for the call with the refs. I hate Kyle Lowry. That's it. Now, well, is he a good player? Of course. Hold on a second. <sighs> Let's stay on this Kyle Lowry. It's stupid. Because, Max, when I was expressing my dislike towards the Morris brothers, you were all on top of me because they're from Philly. And and the way – and and teams too. So, so, Kyle Lowry, I understand maybe some people don't like him, but Kyle Lowry, he – he can be a leader on this team. Uh, the Sixers, they need that experience. Uh, they need leaders. Uh, I mentioned Joel Embiid. He's not going to be the, the most professional guy on the team, but he he can lead a team. But experience is what we need. A few years ago, J.J. Redick was the guy. Maybe Kyle Lowry can be that guy. All right. Well, listen, he's a Villanova guy. Played all four years at Villanova. I get it. I get the background. But here's the thing with the Morris brothers. The Morris brothers present no challenge for us. They, they present no threat to the 76ers organization. Kyle Lowry not only was a part of that Raptors team, but he's been a thorn in our side every time we play the Raptors. Every every game, it feels like he's making a clutch shot. He's he's drawing a charge that he doesn't deserve or something stupid like that. The Morris, <laughs> Morris brothers, for example, they haven't won Jack. Man, what? Man, Max, what did – are you angry today or something? I am pissed off. My goodness, what is wrong with you? you? Guys, like Kyle Lowry, I understand it, and and I think this is a big part of the show because that's a big time guy and a big time piece that we could get on this team, especially because he has an opportunity to shoot the ball. He's not a true point guard; he's a combo guard, probably more of a leader and a more of a you know distributor. But we already have Ben Simmons for that. So if you tell me tomorrow I wake up and I see Kyle Lowry traded to the 76ers, I'm freaking out in excitement. But it's still deep down in my heart, I can't get over that that Raptors, you know, conference finals or conference semifinals, whatever it was. That's shot. I know he didn't hit it. I know Kawhi. I say, that was Kawhi Leonard, man. What did he let go? Let it go. Let it go. I, I think you're giving too much credit to Kyle Lowry. Yes. Max. What do you mean I'm giving too much credit to Kyle Lowry? He's a good he's a, what think, a great player. Well, First off, you're mentioning the thorn in the side, and I'm pretty sure on two different occasions, Joel Embiid was in a mix with one of the Morris brothers and Ben Simmons too. I believe that was a a Celt. Was that a Celtics game or what game was that where they those two got in a fight? I think but it was the Celtics. Side, I understand what you're saying. It was definitely noticeable against the Raptors. Now, albeit Kyle Lowry, he did have one of his best. Uh, postseason games against the Sixers so I see you there but the thing that we want to go back to is Kyle Lowry and Max I guess all all side on you with this is that he would help this team out a great amount T what do you think that Kyle Lowry would be the best fit for the Sixers See, my thing is this though with Kyle Lowry I mean he he's not he's not a shooter like I still need that shooter that's the thing with Kyle. Like, like that's the thing though. Like Kyle, like Kyle Lowry is a point guard, right? All right. He's six feet tall. Like he needs that ball in his hand to be able to, to do the things that he needs to do. We have that already in Ben Simmons. Like the the main thing I need for my starting five is shooters. Like Kyle, like Kyle Lowry isn't known for his shooting. 
yes, he, he's known for his defense. He's known for his grit. He's he's known for his passion. But I need shooters. That's the only thing. I, of course, I would invite Kyle Lowry to play for his hometown team. That that would that would make me ecstatic. However, I just don't see a fit within this starting five lineup. I just don't. Well, T, listen, Kyle Lowry's better at everything else on the court than Danny Green is except for shooting, and he's really not bad, that bad of a shooter. No, he's not. I'll give you that. He's not that bad of a shooter. But once again, he's still a facilitator, and he's still one of those like he's. I don't see Kyle Lowry as being one of those guys who's going to shoot a three off of a um off of a um off ball screen. I just don't see it. You see what I mean? Well, I I get your point there. I understand it. But in order to get this team to the next level and be able to get through Brooklyn, I think you're going to need to get another uh, another player, another star player, not more of a role player. Kyle Lowry at this point in his career probably not a star player, but he gives you more of a power punch offensively than Danny Green does. You know, I think being able to not only with his with his defensive mindset, we all oh, talked about that multiple times on occasions uh, on this show and probably previously as well. But inserting him into that two guard role and you you roll him out there with Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and Tobias Harris. My only concern for you, Tanner, is you've got a pretty small combination out there with Seth Curry and Kyle Lowry. That's a good point, too. Yeah, I understand that point. But the fact we bring we brought in Seth Curry and Danny Green for the perimeter shooting, that was, a necess- uh, that was what the Sixers definitely needed uh, going in. Uh, we mentioned this show and show again that Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, they need shooters around them. They need – they need help around. They can't do everything. We mentioned there's not five Ben Simmons on the court. There's not five Joel Embiid's on the court. They need a cast around them, a supporting cast. They don't have to be superstars, but they got to be guys who are good off the bench. Um, got We have Shake Milton. Um, Max, you mentioned on WHIP that Shake Milton, uh, man of the year, this could be heard if he's put in starting rotation and that aspect. But I do stand by saying that Daryl Morey, he's going to change up the starting rotation. He's going to change up this bench uh, before the trade deadline. Well, Shake do we know it's hard? You know, so being able to knock down 14 points per game on average, it's pretty impressive for Shake Mountain come off the bench. Now, my question to you guys is, we saw this for the first time probably the other night against Sacramento that Doc Rivers implemented Matisse Thibel for his defensive capabilities. And not only that, Shake Milton having a ball handler aside Ben Simmons. Do you expect to see that in the future, or is that more game script late in the game? We have a lead. We want guys that be able to knock down free throws and play solid defense, or is this, you know, a one-time occasion? Well, see, that's the thing, though, man. I think it all depends on the situation. And it's like I said before at one time, um, I said that, you know, the regular season is really a time where you start experimenting with your lineups. You start figuring out, okay, what players do I use in what situations? What he what he did um, against Sacramento was very smart. He took his defensive players and he slowed down the Kings. It's exactly that's a lineup that you can use in the future. Now that's not necessarily a lineup that you know you're gonna probably use every game. It's probably not gonna be necessary to have all those all your defensive guys out there at one at one time in one game. It, it at every game. It's that it probably won't be necessary. So. You know, that's a role, that's a lineup that you can have in your back pocket, you know, f- for future reference. Yeah, I see I see your point there and I and I agree with it. I think one thing that I want to point out here going forward with this team is in the big picture sense of things, they're going to need another player. I'm hearing oh, Victor yeah. Oladipo as a possibility. I'm obviously, we I'm, I'm, about on, I'm on board with Victor Oladipo. I can tell you that right now. Player, we all know that and PJ Tucker as well, maybe for a power forward spot. Yeah. 
whether it be a veteran presence on the bench or whatnot. So, um, you know, going forward here, we look at Portland and these upcoming games. There's going to be some tough matchups. We all know that. But are you guys confident? I know, T, you mentioned that you are. Tanner, you still think we need to add one more piece. And I think Daryl Morey will do that. But if it's not that that starter, if it's not that Kyle Lowry and it's more of a bench piece, do you still think we have the inside track of making it to the uh, NBA Finals? Not only, you know, not only the Conference Finals, but the NBA Finals. It's not life or death for this team to change up what, what they have now. It'll definitely help them. But I think they can get by with what they have uh, with a healthy team, of course. And that all circles around Joel Embiid. Can Joel Embiid stay healthy? And we saw him against the Lakers. We saw him against – it was uh, it was a, a game or two ago where he tweaked up his ankle, I believe it was. And then – so Joel Embiid, he's been – He's been worrying us with his health. Now it's not just nutrition wise, it's physicality and his back. You're always on your back and back, but we'll get past that. And <laughs> Joel Embiid, it, this team, this team does center around Joel Embiid. And that's just, it, it's been apparent this season, especially with his points per game too. If Joel Embiid's not on the court, the Sixers don't win as many games as they won right now. I can't believe we've been doing this show for three years and we're still talking about players with back issues and children. Yeah, he's a father this season. Ah. Yeah, listen, I don't think I'll ever get around the Jalen Ramsey children and back issue, but <laughs> it's a wait and see with this what? team, right? Now. The wait and see process. You have Joel Embiid, obviously, as a team leader. I think they need to add one more piece. Listen, guys, great Sixers talk. We want to wrap it up and we want to focus on now the Super Bowl. Big game that was played, probably a little bigger of a blowout than we expected 31 to 9. Pretty disappointing if you're Man, a that's fan, ludicrous. you know, be able to see a great game, hang out with some buddies in these COVID times, obviously social distance, whatnot. But, you know, Tom Brady comes out and he puts his foot on the gas pedal immediately, gets up to that big lead. Patrick Mahomes, that offensive line was atrocious. We all know that. He's out there scrambling for his life, throwing baseball passes, making it look easy. Guys getting the ball, you know, right through their hands and hitting him right in the helmet. I mean, just ridiculous. Um, 52% of his dropbacks, he got pressured. That is Patrick Mahomes. Guys stepped up that I didn't expect, one being Leonard Fournette, had a terrible regular season, got cut by Jacksonville. You know, on top of that, almost a not a, not almost a year ago, almost a year ago in Jacksonville last offseason. And now he comes out and he has a rushing touchdown, you know, has a pretty good day on the ground, and then being able to have Gronk score two touchdowns. I mean, it just feels like every time Gronk and Brady are together, they're going to the Super Bowl. So when you look back at this game and, you know, it's been talked about all week long, but what are your main takeaways of this game? What are you going to remember? Are you going to remember this as the game where Mahomes just couldn't get anything going? He got destroyed. Are you going to remember this as the game where Brady was able to, you know, really put his foot on the Chiefs throats and win number seven? Is it a little bit of both? Like, where's your mindset at? I ain't even going to front with y'all. I was watching the game, and I thought Patrick Mahomes had turned into Carson Wentz because that's straight up how, how I, I started seeing the game. Really, like, T? I mean, yo, he was getting his ass kicked. Let's be honest here, man. Dude, no offensive hey. line, no block. Hey. The only thing the only thing Patrick Mahomes had was his weapons, and he was still a whole lot more mobile. I'm not, not, Next, don't, get me, don't get me wrong. I'm not defending Carson Wentz, all right? Please Next, don't I believe get that you, can mute, you can mute T. To compare Patrick man, Mahomes and Carson Wentz, if, that, that's if, a crime. If y'all mute me, I kid you boots not. Boots to asses. I'm delivering virtual boots to asses. Now, look, hear me out, all right? I'm not comparing them. However, 
All right, Carson Wentz didn't exactly have the best offensive line this past season. There's no denying that. All right, I've showed you on Gridiron Films that on a plenty of occasions. However, Patrick Mahomes had probably less time due to the fact that Andy Reid and the coaching staff refused to run the ball and take the pressure off of Patrick Mahomes. That was the difference. All right, stop. They didn't. They didn't stop the passing game. They didn't stop calling passes. You know. I wish they would have called more draw plays to kind of get that aggressive defensive line to kind of second guess their moves a little bit. But if you're going to continue dropping your franchise quarterback back, how many times did he throw? And he, I know he dropped back over 40 times that game. Like, come on now, strategize a little bit. We saw. I, I don't think this. I don't think this game was lost on the back of Patrick Mahomes. It was lost on the back of Andy Reid. Everything that we complained about with Andy Reid came back. The horrible time management, the refusal to change and adapt to the situation, everything that we complained about came back in that game. That's what I'm going to remember. The old Andy Reid came back. Now, what I noticed from the Kansas City Chiefs was Patrick Mahomes. He was playing the whole entire game. He was sacked. What what was it? Four times? He was, was. just sacked four times, three, but he was three times. Yeah. Three, three, times. three times. But he was rushed the entire game. That Buccaneers four-man rush, we knew that was going to be apparent. We and it was a disaster. It. It, was, it was a disaster for the offensive line for Kansas City. And Max mentioned he was making those throws midair, throwing into the end zone off his teammates' helmet. But what I'll remember to answer Max's question is. Brady's seventh Super Bowl victory. I don't. I can't even say it's going to be his final Super Bowl victory. That's how. That's that's just how it is for Tom Brady. And we saw, you know, he finally let loose at the parade, and and we saw the, the highlights there. He threw the super. He threw the Lombardi Trophy in over water into another boat. He it's funny to me more. too. What's he care? he's gonna have rings then fingers soon yeah it's just but yeah tom brady winning the seventh super bowl that's that's the headline for me and there's plenty of other headlines that went in the game antonio brown winning a super bowl all right you have Lashawn mccoy are you kidding me now a back-to-back super bowl champion with zero touches that just there's so many storylines and apparently antonio brown he he ran the wrong route in the end zone, still caught a touchdown. But this Buccaneers it's team, stupid. they're going to lose. They're going to lose. They could lose Godwin in free agency. So we got to look at who they're losing in free agency. And, Max, let's ask a question you asked on WHIP. Is this Buccaneers team going to be around for a few more years, or do you think they're not going to make the Super Bowl again? Mm. No, I do think they're going to be around for a few more years, and that's where I want to start with. I want to incorporate the Rams into this real quick because I think the Rams are giving so much love early on in this offseason, and I just don't see it. You're talking about Matt Stafford. Let me remind you who Matt Stafford is. Matt Stafford is a guy that's been to how many Pro Bowls? Zero. Zero Pro Bowls. All of a sudden, he goes to the Rams. What is he now, like Brett Favre? Like, I don't understand it. People are acting like the Rams with that great defense, and don't get me wrong, like it's great defense. But they're all going to turn around and say, Jared Goff, get the hell out of town. We want Matt Stafford in here. How much better is Matt Stafford? I'm sick of you. Jared Goff. I mean, 
listen, on paper, and if you ask me who the better quarterback is, it's Matt Stafford. But by how much? Like, is it really going to matter? Are they going to be able to get to the Super Bowl? Such is my two cents on the Rams at this point. But I'm going to get into this Buccaneers team. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you get into the Buccaneers, I got to, since you wanted to bring up Matt Stafford, let me put my two cents into this. All right. Jared Goff is a horrible quarterback. Let's not get this twisted. All right, Jared, Jared Goff is a scrub. All right, <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. He He's is the a guy scrub. That was, he was in the Super Bowl two years ago, T. Two years ago, this guy that was, was the Super defense Bowl. that put him in the Super Bowl. That had nothing to do with Jared Goff. He's a, he's a he was scrub. a two-time Pro Bowler. He's a two-time Pro Bowler. Yeah, on the back of Sean McVay's offense. Let's be honest here. Come on, man. That, that's all Sean McVay. And then you, you take Matthew Stafford's arm talent combined with Sean McVay's offensive scheme. My goodness. The Rams are going to be a problem. I, I just feel like the Rams are being overhyped at this point. People are saying people are calling Matt Stafford on the phone. Hey, I want to come join you in L.A. You know who the guy was that called him on the phone and wants to join him? Immediately, Marvin Jones Jr. Who the hell is Marvin Jones Jr.? He had a it's terrible ridiculous. year last year. He had the opportunity to take that next step forward with Kenny Galladay, mind you, missing how many games last year? Like almost the whole season. And he really didn't do anything. So my whole point low is life. pump the brakes on the Rams. They're a good football team. They're probably going to be top three, top four seed. But they're not better than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I don't think they're better than the Packers because if Aaron Rodgers comes out and does the same thing he did last season, they're going to be in the same spot again. There's no way he's getting beat by the Rams. And even if he has to go travel to that new $5 billion stadium, he's going to go in there and take care of business. I have no doubt about it. I want to get back to this Tampa Bay Buccaneer team. Right, right, and I want to tell you why they won this game. They're Well, first of all, they had more depth. They're more talented overall. Kansas City was a little bit more top-heavy. But you get in there, you run the football, you have a great combination of Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette who were inconsistent over this season. Um, if we're fantasy football followers like Tanner and myself, we know that Ronald Jones had a game here there where he was solid. Leonard Fournette really didn't. But, you know, they had a pretty decent combination of running back, and that really showed in the Super Bowl. Then not only that, when Antonio Brown's your third-best receiver coming back off that injury when he missed the Packers game, I mean, come on. That recipe right there is meant for success. You have Mike Evans catches only one pass. He only caught one pass, but it was a big one. Get him down there in the red zone, 23 yards. Chris Godwin, two catches for nine yards. So there's weapons all over this offense. If you look back at the regular season, you know that Chris Godwin was a star, even though he missed a couple games with that finger issue. And you know Mike Evans was a star. Both of those guys were great players this season. Hopefully Chris Godwin's back next year with this team. I would love to see it and keep the town as much as they can because, you know, they just won the Super Bowl. A super talented team. It was fun to watch. But when you have Gronk, who – was kind of the forgotten guy, at least late in that regular season. He comes into the Super Bowl, and it's like almost the whole offense was flowing through him. Two touchdown two touchdown catches, targeted heavily. It was pretty impressive. On the other side of the ball, you had the Chiefs. Tyron Matthews talking trash back and forth. I mean, you don't do that. How stupid do you want to be? You want to, you want to poke the bear? You want to poke the goat over there? He's yeah. just going to piss him off even more. And what does he do? He goes out there and puts up 31-piece on the board. So from his standpoint, that was just stupid. But – where, where, where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers really won was that offensive front. They were able to stop the pass for us to the Chiefs. So you mentioned with Chris Jones, uh, even last week's episode, they just weren't able to get pressure on Tom Brady. And then Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, they weren't taking those easy passes. You know, I think mentally they were thinking to themselves, okay, we're down by a ton of points, but we've been in this situation before. We'll just throw that 80-yard touchdown pass to Tyreek Hill in our sleep. Why not? It always happens. But they weren't taking those easy seven, eight, maybe 10-yard passes underneath routes. They weren't. They wanted to take that big, sexy play downfield, mm-hmm. and it just never materialized. So that's why I give Todd Bowles a ton of credit, defensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, real quick, let's get into the defensive scheme real quick because they also showed it on the Jumbotron as well and on TVs. So Todd Bowles basically ran the Tampa 2. 
So Tampa 2 is basically two safeties are always going to stay deep. Now, of course, they did that because of the threat that Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey present. So They also saw the film from the first game and realized what they did with the single high safety. Yeah, single high safety and having these guys, having your corners one-on-one against Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey, that's a recipe for disaster. So you stop and, and listen, that's the thing. Like, this Chiefs offense is a, uh, a high – what's the word I'm looking for? Their offense is explosive. They want big explosive plays. That's how they operate. That's how they they go for the kill shot immediately. So what do you do? You block it. You block that kill shot. You you start playing for the deep ball. Those underneath passes were so uncomfortable for that team, and I could tell easily. Like some of, some of those passes, man. Like un- underneath, and Patrick Mahomes had to get rid of that ball quick. Man, they're not used to playing like that. They're used to doing what they want against defenses, and guess what? They couldn't do that on Sunday in the Super Bowl. And Todd, give Todd Bowles credit. Todd Bowles figured out. And look, man, I will say this, though. The referees did not need to remind us that they were a part of that game. Like, that that was very irritating. Like, come on, man, let these guys play. And then some of the pass interference calls was completely unnecessary. Like, like for example, I think it was the bomb to Mike Evans that was missed. That, and, that, and that got called for pass interference. I'm sitting here yeah. going, I'm like, dude, that's not pass interference. He could not catch that. I thought pass interference was when a defender interfered with the player if the player has a chance to go for the ball. Nobody had a chance for that ball. Yo, the rest was, I don't, I don't know about y'all, but the rest were irritating me that, that day. Yeah, talk about the pass interference, T. At the end, of the, it was one minute left in the first half of the game, and we talk about how the Buccaneers, they're great offense, but let's talk about how the Chiefs' defense really failed to secure the Bucs early in that, late in that first half of the game. You could tell that two pass interference calls, uh, I believe they were right in a row, and that led up to 40 yards gained the Bucs, and they scored. If the Chiefs are going to let the Bucs score, the Bucs are going to score. They're a great team, and they take advantage of teams' mistakes, and that's exactly what happened in this Super Bowl game. We didn't expect a 31-9 to no. score, but when the Chiefs made so many mistakes against Tom Brady's offense, Bruce Arians, Todd Bowles over there, you can't do that. You, you can't because that's ex- this is exactly what will happen. Man, yeah. that's ludicrous. I agree with T. I think one point I do want to say here real quick that I agree with them is running the football uh, and honestly not running the football in, in this case because yes. of the fact they should have ran it more. You know, Clyde Edwards in there, 10-11 carries isn't enough. The funny thing was they came out, they ran it one of the first first plays of the second half. Maybe it was the first or second. It was a you know, draw Clyde play. Like 24-yard rush. And I was like, wow, where was that in the first half? Maybe it's they're going to come on. Run the damn ball. Not existent the rest of the game. So that's where it was kind of confusing. Uh, Andy Reid not adjusting at the half, hoping for those big time passes downfield to Tyree Kill. But listen, those guys were playing so far back uh, in that secondary of Tampa Bay. There, there's no chance in hell that Tyree Kill is going to be able to get down the field and, and beat those guys and get past them. Because, you know, if you want to run those deep balls, you're going to have to have time to develop those plays. And he had no time. He hiked the ball. There was guys in the backfield immediately. There was no time for those big time plays to develop downfield. And that's the you. reason with other. You know, other factors into it that, you know, ultimately Tampa Bay won 31 to nine. Now, the thing that I don't understand is people, I think they would they would think differently if they were able to punch that touchdown in towards the end of that game instead of Mahomes getting that tip pass interception because the box score would have looked a hell of a lot nicer on paper 31 to say 17 than it would have 31 to nine. Yeah, a loss is still a loss. I'm going to be honest with you. And you lost in the biggest game of the year. 
So that's a, that's a notch against Patrick Mahomes. I'm sorry. As much as I as much as I defended him earlier, that's still a notch against Mahomes. Now you're one and one, kid. Like you got to get back yeah, to it. I understand that. And his offense, like he was listening, he was missing three, two or three humongous pieces on that offensive line. Just two starting tackles. And not only that, you're going up against, I mean, look, Shaq Barrett, Nandami can sue, Levante David in the middle of that defense. Like you're just going up against, you know, studs Jason really Garrett all around. Ball. And that secondary for Tampa Bay looked a lot better than they have in that in the regular season, especially in that Saints game. There was a couple times where Sean Murphy bunting was getting beat pretty bad. Antoine Winfield Jr., uh, both of those guys, they've, they've had incons- Carlton Davis, another guy who, you know, was inconsistent. He got destroyed by Tyreek Hill in the regular season meeting, was able to bounce back. However, in the Super Bowl, ultimately, they all got rings on their finger, and they looked like they were having a hell of a time at that parade. Oh, yeah, Tom Brady definitely did have a hell of a time, uh, so much so that he walked off the boat drunk. So, you know, hey, all powers to him. I remember that one. <laughs> Look, man. All right, guys. Let's, let's 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 flip the switch here. We want to flip it to you know this guy here. If you guys can notice, I don't know if anybody knows who that is, but that's the Philadelphia Eagles' disgusting general manager. Oh, and God. before I get a lot of hate on that, I just want to you tell piece you, of Swiss I, cheese. I get it. He won us the Super Bowl. Let me give you a reality check. That was three years ago. I want anybody on the on out on on this airways right now to go on dm us on instagram at the philly experience podcast tell me one move that howard rosen's made that's been a positive impact on this team in the two last two years just give me one give me one example i guarantee you it'll take you forever to find one because he hasn't given us one positive thing to look at it's been turmoil situation after turmoil situation and now we've taken our franchise quarterback who just a couple years ago was going to lead this team to the super bowl and now after 12 games t 12 games now don't get me wrong he was the worst quarterback in football last year but 12 games you invest how many how many millions of dollars in this guy and now you want to kick him out of town for an unproven rookie i just don't understand it i just don't understand i've had carson wentz's back through this whole process i'm not pounding the table over here saying we have to keep wentz i get it his poor season last year was atrocious but he's getting a bad hand and another thing people are coming out in the media saying listen carson wentz is being a bad teammate there's rumors upon rumors of him in the locker room people can't get along with him you know, he's he's got a big ego and things like that. We don't we're not behind closed doors, we don't know. But my two cents on this whole situation is there's a problem in the front office and not only that, but the ownership that's bigger than Carson Wentz himself. I can agree with that. I can agree with that, but my thing is this though, just just to piggyback on what you said about Carson Wentz, he he doesn't help his case when he doesn't say anything. He hasn't said anything since he's gotten bitched. Damn it, say something. Say something. At least Jalen Hurts has said something. He said the generic quarterback thing that he's going to take this offseason to be better. All right. Say something, damn it. All right. Please. I am begging you. Shoot. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, John Clark, all right, he put he put out that Jalen Hurts is going to take some of the receivers to Texas and start working with them, working with your damn receivers. Do something. Not his receivers anymore, T. That's the question here, guys, because, listen, Jalen Hurts going down to Texas, I get it. You want to work on your – listen, when Greg Ward's your second best receiver on the team, don't even waste the gas in the plane to go down to Texas. It's pointless. They're all wow. You're terrible. Jalen Rager was uh, basically a nobody last year. I don't want to rip on the rookie because, you know, he had an injury. kept him out a lot of weeks. 
But it, it, we should have Justin Jefferson at this point, man. We just should have him. I know I don't want to harp on the past here, but we should have Justin Jefferson. I don't want to have to sit here and hope, oh, God, please, Jalen Rager, be something good in the future. I don't want to see that. I just want to have the stud on my team. It's just frustrating. This can't. This can't be a knock against Jalen Hurts at all. He can't. He's. He doesn't have no. the phone call to, to to change up the team to add wide receivers. Like he's a rookie. Yeah. Right? He only played three and a half he games not, on the Eagles. He's not on him. He's, he's gonna not work. Jalen Hurts. Next, this is exactly what we're looking for on the Eagles leadership. Jalen Hurts doesn't care who's on the team. What he cares about is getting that work in, going to Texas, working with these guys, building chemistry. All right, that's how he's going to be the best he can. And he doesn't care. Obviously, Carson Wentz cares. He cares what the fans think. You can't be in Philadelphia and care what these Philadelphia fans think. It goes back to the fans even booing balls. Ron Jaworski booed. Every player on the Philadelphia Eagles was booed. Santa Claus was booed. All right. He was snowballs were thrown at him. You have to have tough skin. You have to have a hard shell if you're going to be on the Philadelphia Eagles. And that's what Carson Wentz doesn't have. All right. We heard that he takes um, critiques, coaches, players give him critiques on what he needs to do. He doesn't care. He says he's still going to do what he does. He's still going to throw the ball where he wants to throw in the huddle. He changes up the plays. Now what this whole situation doesn't make sense is what's Howie Roseman thinking. All right. He's looking for two first round picks. He's offered, you know, this is what I think Howie Roseman is thinking. Actually, I'm just going to go try to be Howie Roseman right here. He's going to have a super high asking rate and inside of his head, he's like, well, obviously we're not going to get two first round picks. I'm thinking maybe just two second round picks. And he and he's going to make teams outbid themselves. He ex- he doesn't expect getting two first round picks. That's not realistic for Carson Wentz. No ball security. All these interceptions he threw. Look at the stats in his last season. We have no lever. The Eagles have no leverage to trade Carson Wentz, but Howie Roseman wants them to think he does. Howie Roseman's going to throw out a goal of two um, first round picks so he can get meet someone in the middle. All right. He's going to think that, Oh, that team got a good trade. When in reality, the Eagles are going to get a good trade. Now to me, the Colts are the most realistic trade in this. I don't know what you guys think. I don't know where you guys think. Um, tell us where, where do you think Carson Wentz should go? Well, first and foremost, I definitely agree with you with the sentiment that, you know, this everything, everything that's happened up to this point has stemmed from Howie Roseman, all right? You dumbass. That Howie Roseman is the main culprit behind all of this. He drafted Jalen Hurts, which created this quarterback controversy. Mind you, we were only a year removed from, all right, getting rid of Nick Foles and that quarterback controversy, all right? He created this. He created this issue. You could have took that second round pick. You could have got some help on the defense. You could have gra- drafted Jeremy Chin. You didn't. You drafted Jalen Hurts. Now, not to say, obviously, it looks like it's about to work out at least a little bit. But now, now there's rumors coming out that there's potential that they're going to draft a damn quarterback with the six overall pick. Are you bleeping kidding me? Another one? Shoot. As a matter of fact, I just got a report that said they're going to be at Trevor Lawrence's pro day. Are you kidding me right now? Another damn quarterback? We need, a damn, need some damn playmakers on this team. Not another quarterback. That's my point. That wants to lead me to my point because quarterback's not the issue on this team. There's bigger problems, and I don't think that having Carson Wentz or Jalen Hurts on this team come September is going to make a damn difference whether we win 
12 games, whether we win six games, whether we win four games, it's not going to matter. It does if you get some damn defensive players and some damn playmakers on this team. It makes a whole lot of a difference. That's my whole point. Why are you going to eat this $34 million? You weren't even going to eat Alshon Jeffries $12 million last year. Why the hell would you go out and and eat 30, whatever, $33, $34 million? Keep Carson Wentz on this team. They're not going to get any better having Hurts start next season. What is the benefit of having Jalen Hurts start? The guy's a rookie. I have no hate against Jalen Hurts in this situation. He's just a player doing his job, and I love it. Max, they're getting Max. He's been great in front of the podium. The leadership, I get it. But is this team – you're going to sit here and tell me, is this team better with Wentz gone next year than Hurts? You can't stamp that into you know reality right now. Max, Hurts. It's, it's not about being better. It's not about being better. It's the fact that Carson Wentz wants out, and that's period point blank. Carson Wentz wants he, out. He hasn't come out and said a single word that his, he wants out. The words never came actions. out of his mouth. There's rumor after rumor after rumor. I get it. Good sources after good source after good source. Don't get me wrong. But as Carson Wentz come out and said, I request a trade. Deshaun Watson, we've heard more from his own mouth than we have Carson Wentz's. You know, he's the one that's come out and said things back and forth. Again, he never said, I want to demand a trade out of Houston, but he came out and at least spoke about it, and rumors came out about this. He's not answering phone calls and things like that. Carson Wentz hasn't said a single word. Okay, Max, watch this, though. Then why are there rumors spreading around about Russell Wilson when he's going to trade, and Russell Wilson hasn't requested he a trade? spoke about it. That's why. He just spoke about it the other day. He came out and spoke to the media, and he was on the Dan Patrick show and talking about what his frustrations are with the fact that he's getting hit a billion times a year. That's why. Carson right. Wentz is jacked up in North Dakota, wherever, somewhere. He's not on social media. He's not coming out. He's not saying a single word. He, he's more focused on his charity, and, you know, God bless him for that. I understand it. But that's basically all he's come out and done on social media is charity work, which is fine. But in the middle of this situation, it's kind of bad timing. I agree with you. It is bad timing. I, I agree with you. But w- once again, we're getting away from the fact that all of this stems from Hal Roseman. As a matter of fact, um, people have said that, He's on good terms with Nick Sirianni. He's on good terms with Jeffrey Lurie. The only person that he's not talking to is Howie Dan Roseman. All right. There's a, a common denominator in this situation. Him, no, I can't blame him. All right. I've waited for four damn years for you to surround me with some damn talent. All right. My first year, I had a no hands catching Nelson Aguilar. I had a six foot five supposed phenom who turned out to be a pile of dust in Doriel Green Beckham. And I had Jordan Matthews. That's all I had in my first year. And they weren't worth a damn. All right. And then in my third year, when I come back, my receivers are getting older. They're slower. They're more injured. And then in the next year, you still fail to do anything to help me out in terms of playmakers. I'm getting smacked up all the time. I don't blame Carson Wentz not one little bit for being mad at Howie Roseman because Howie Roseman is the main person who did this in the first place to this franchise. And now we're going to be in hell for the next two, three years trying to rebuild this team. Right, Max, I want to add to your point about Carson Wentz not going out and saying that he wants to be traded. He didn't come out and say that he wants to work with Nick Sirianni. He didn't come out and say that he didn't argue against all these rumors. Now, I have some insight of Carson Wentz. I got to see him speak um, over here at Penn Ridge. He came and, and he spoke to a couple of us fans and he did a signing. But he one thing that he did speak about that I remember is that he doesn't pay attention to social media. He doesn't turn on the sports radio. He doesn't listen to any of that. He just 
He haunts to clear his mind and he, he puts his phone away. He doesn't care about all this going on. So we can argue that Carson Wentz, okay, he says he doesn't, he doesn't want to be treated. We don't know what's being said between Carson Wentz and, and the staff on the Eagles. But the point is, he, doesn't, he didn't say that he wants to work with Nick Sirianni. He's not the one working with the wide receivers Jalen Hurts is. And I also want to bring up the numbers of this trade. Now, a team acquiring Carson Wentz is what? Taking on a $98.4 million salary. And if Carson and the Eagles will be eating a, what, $34.5 million yep. dead cap? Yep. It's ridiculous. It's not realistic. I don't know what this team's going to do, but they're in a terrible it's situation. It's an outrage. It's just, it's awful any way you look at it. And, and to follow up with, you know, what you said about the cap hit, mind you, they're trying to get rid of this. They're trying to get rid of Carson Wentz with this $34 million um, dead money. Get this. Should this go through? And it probably will go through. This is going to be the biggest dead money cap hit in the history of the NFL. That tells you how fractured this situation is. Well, I want to get one more point here from everybody before we wrap this thing up. I'm going to start with the fact that the most recent rumor, as we all know, is two second-round picks, a third or fourth from the Colts for Carson Wentz. When we all thought originally, at least from Adam Schefter and other reporters, that the Eagles are expecting back a Jared Goff-Matthew Stafford package, which clearly at this point doesn't look like it's going to happen. So my thought is in all this, and I'll make this my last point before I throw it to everybody else here and get your last reactions, is that if you're going to, if Carson Wentz wants out, he wants out and we get rid of him. I understand that. The expectation for me, I'm, I'm not expecting us to win. And it's not only because we have a lack of talent. Even if we had some talent surrounding Jalen Hurts, say we had a number one receiver, say we had another number one corner, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm, I'm, this team's going to go out there and win a division or be even a wild card team because I still am not buying into Jalen Hurts. And I think too many people are, and I think too many people are sitting here willing him to give him the benefit of the doubt and be able to ride to him as not only this season, but as a franchise guy. I'm willing to go and say, listen, I think he's a good, nice guy. I think he's a, he could develop into a solid quarterback. But is he the guy of the future here? I think everybody needs to pump their brakes with that. But that's the thing, though, Max. Yeah, but that's not a thing we need to focus on right no. now. We don't need to focus on the quarterback. We need to focus about getting this situation taken care of. If Carson Wentz really doesn't want to play here and he doesn't want to do that quarterback competition in the offseason, then he needs to be off the team. And the positions we Get need to focus on is as he mentioned, wide receiver. And this secondary, Darius Slay can't cover the whole field. I mentioned time and time again, Darius Slay got injured almost every game. And that's just not going to help out the Eagles secondary when now we don't have Darius Slay either. Who do we have now? Exactly. Not well, the mix. Darius Slay, listen, let me let me tell you something about Darius Slay. He didn't have the best season last year either. We're talking about Darius Slay. He's a shutdown guy. He didn't have his best season, but I understand your point. I get it. He can only cover one half the field. But I understand the headaches here and the situation has to be cleared out as Carson Wentz is the issue right now. And if he wants to be out of here, get out and we'll start fresh. But my thought process is the guys in charge are still the guys in charge. This doesn't matter. Carson Wentz doesn't matter in all this. He really doesn't. If he's here, he's here. If he's not, he's not. Carson Wentz has doesn't matter. People are just so invested in the trade destinations, what we're going to get back. And I get it as fans, of course, you want to see what the packages are. But at the end of the day, no one gives a damn about Carson Wentz being in an Eagle uniform or not. The guys we care about are the guys in charge. And if Carson Wentz is gone and Jalen Hurts is the guy, fine. Oh, let's go. Jalen Hurts, I'm fine with it. Finally, give the guy my opportunity. But at the end of the day, 
the, we could go out in this draft upcoming in this year. Oh, Devontae Smith here? Nah, let's skip him and take a bust. That's my issue because of the fact that there's no track record of draft success here in recent years. Nah. He's only drafted one Pro Bowl in the last five years and is the guy that he wants to get out of town. That's Carson Wentz. So even if Jalen Hurts is the nicest guy ever and he, and he develops into a great quarterback and he can be that leader of the future, the guys drafting this team, defensive especially, you know, I don't have to, any confidence in. So there's there, therein lies my issue. It's not a Jalen Hurts, Carson Wentz issue. It's the bigger picture. Max, here's the thing though, um, in terms of your in terms of your argument for um Carson Wentz, look, it, it, it's about action. All right. Actions speak louder than words. Jalen Hurts has stepped up and actually said something. Carson Wentz has not. Jalen Hurts is stepping up and saying, Hey, receivers, I'm gonna fly you down here. We're gonna work on some stuff. Carson Wentz is hunting. Mind you, I don't have uh, listen, I don't care what you do in the offseason. I, I I don't. All right, that that's up that's up to the player's discretion. However, the fact that Jalen Hurts has stepped up, even though he is a rookie, even though he is this young guy, that speaks multiple volumes more than what Carson Wentz has done over the past four or five years that he's been here. That's my issue with Carson Wentz. All right, I don't have a problem with him hunting. I don't have a problem with him, you know, not saying anything. I don't. I don't have an issue with those things. It looks bad, but I don't have an issue with those things. However, your actions have ramifications. All right. Your actions always come back. All right. Come back full circle. Case of point right here. Jalen Hurts has stepped up and been a leader for this team. Is stepping up and being a leader for this team. Carson Wentz is not. Regardless, regardless of the fact that, you know, the rumors going around that they're trying to trade you, guess what? You're still a quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. Be a damn leader. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be an obvious. The Eagles, they can't be a better team if you have this guy still making the decisions for drafting. And if you don't know who your quarterback is, how are you going to plan the draft? How are you going to decide who to draft if you don't know who your quarterback is, if you don't know who's leading this team? It just doesn't make sense at all. And we can get into these trade candidates of the other team, like the Chicago Bears. I think this is a really ridiculous uh, rumor with trading Carson Wentz to the Chicago Bears. You get a draft pick. You get Nick Foles back in return. Of course, Tyree Cohen, he he would be great to have on the Eagles. But what doesn't make sense to me is why bring Nick Foles in to to back to the Eagles and Jalen Hurts say he does bad? Um, Yeah, more drama. And also, you're sending Carson Wentz over to Chicago, those fans aren't the nicest fans either. It, it'll be the same situation if he can't take critique. And then there you go. You get the whole staff on the Chicago Bears fired too if it doesn't work out. It just doesn't make sense to me. Man, Nick Foles. All right. I said it. Oh, T. That, that is just the most disrespectful comment. <laughs> for what I, I mean, said Again, we're going to have to mute you. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just think about the place, the anger here, and where you want to put it. And it's on Howie Roseman, and it's on Jeffrey Lurie. And my problem is not with Carson Wentz. It's not really with Jalen Hurts. It's about the guy in charge. And I just want everybody to realize here, my final point, Jalen Hurts was a second-round pick for a reason. He's a second-round pick for a reason. If you have any sort of upside, any sort of talent, if you have that big cannon arm, if you have that big size as a quarterback, your first-round pick, even Lamar Jackson, who didn't have any skill set as a passer really in college, he just had one attribute, and that was that speed. And somebody said, screw it, I'm taking a first-round flyer on him. There's a reason why the Eagles 
got Jalen Hurts as a reach in the second rounder and the reason he wasn't a first round pick. That's my concern, and that should be your concern too. First off, Max, the cap- let me ask you: who did who did the Packers draft in the first round? Jordan Love. Jordan Love. And and you think if they do, they wouldn't have tried out Jalen Hurts instead of Jordan Love? I don't think it matters a damn bit because they got the best quarterback in the league or second best at this point, Aaron Rodgers. Or, or okay, okay, okay. I'm going to counter your argument. You you keep bringing up the fact that he's a second round damn pick. Now I'm going to prove to you just now why that really don't make a hill of beans. Get this. So we just we just matter. we just recently talked about the goat who was drafted in the sixth damn round. Oh, you want to go back and talk about what happened in 1955? Go ahead. All right, I'm talking about this past draft. Okay, Max, but who did the Dolphins draft? Tua Tagovailoa. And how great did he do this season? Listen, he had a winning record as a quarterback. Max, what I'm saying is if this draft was redone, the Eagles got a steal at quarterback. And you're saying you're putting that X against him for being cool. a second-round pick. You can't count that against him. because of the fact draft, that Hurts would have been taken higher than any of these guys. Done, and just- it would be different. It would be a different order. Jalen Hurts isn't a bad quarterback to draft in the second round, albeit it definitely made no sense at all. No, it didn't. Hey, T, I'm going to go to T's point about Jordan Love. You're telling me you think that at this point – Jalen Hurts showed you enough in four games that the Packers would take Jalen Hurts over Jordan Love. And there's a reason they took Jordan Love in the first place. So there's no way in hell I'm going to sit here and agree with you that if this was all redone, Jalen Hurts would be a first-round pick. There's no way in hell I'm telling you that. Tua, albeit he didn't have the best stat performances, still came one game away from making a playoff run. Jalen Hurts went one and three in four career starts. All right, but sit here, all right, but sit here and think about this. Did the offense flow better when Jalen Hurts entered the game? Yes or no? Barely. Barely? Barely. Barely. He's in denial. He's Barely. In denial. Barely flowed better. What do you mean tell you? A record of one and three and a passer rating. Okay, let, okay, okay, okay. Okay, but okay, real quick before we before we go off. Real quick. Um, you beat the number one defense at the time of the New Orleans Saints. Okay. Oh, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. Third game in a row on the road. It's a, it's a look ahead game to the because I had to play the Chiefs at home the following week. It's a look ahead game, T. Whatever. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Okay. You edged the Cardinals, in which you were down. Jalen Hurts was getting his ass kicked that entire game, no doubt. He still was fighting and clawing and coming back. That what? I respect. I respect that. The fact that he kept that sorry ass team in that thing in that game. I respect yeah. the hell out of that. 30, 33-26 was the final score of that Cardinals game, and that's thanks to DeAndre Hopkins, and that's it. If All right, that, that was a good game. The Eagles is. kept competitive. Max, the Eagles were done by this point. They were done. They put Jalen Hurts in the guy. Yeah, but if your number one point to support Hurts is the fact that he almost beat the Cardinals, I'm not going to sit here and agree with that. I mean, he lost the game. Oh boy. You can't sit here and be like the number one point is, oh, he almost beat the Cardinals, so he's good. Like, come on. Okay, but also, once again, I'm going to also remind you of the fact that who's about to take these day, these sorry-ass receivers to Texas and try making them into oh, half-decent receivers? Who's doing that? Texas. I don't don't harp on the Texas point. I don't I don't I don't hear I don't hear Carson Wentz flying any receivers out of North Dakota. Just saying. Again, this all goes back to the misplaced anger. The anger's on Howie Roseman, guys. The anger's on Howie Roseman. And the anger is not on Jalen Hurts. But you guys need to realize yeah, but the point the point to bring up that Jalen Hurts was a second round quarterback doesn't make sense at all because you have Jalen Hurts, 
albeit we mentioned second round pick. He was able to come in and take over this team. Now that, okay, we can guide our hatred towards Howie Roseman and the mistakes he's made. Of course, we didn't have to draft Jalen Hurts second round, but again, this is, this is a Howie Roseman choice that he made. And this is something that this Eagles team has to build on. Now Jalen Hurts, I'm saying if, this is a quarterback-friendly draft, then, of course, some players are going to get drafted over Jalen Hurts. But if you compare the players drafted before Jalen Hurts, after, Jalen Hurts sits at a pretty good spot being drafted second over or second round. Listen, if I could go back and do this over again and take Jeremy Chin instead of Jalen Hurts and have Jeremy Chin in our, in our, in our backfield, right, or not in our backfield, in our defense right now, and have a, 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 just a quarterback controversy in a half, with only one quarterback on this roster that's worth a crap and have Carson Wentz and debating whether we're going to trade him away for a pick or not only that, are we going to draft a quarterback at sixth overall? I'm taking that much over the situation we're in right now. So, so real quick before we end it, you would rather take a chance on one of these kids coming out of college. I would rather have Jeremy Chin and Zach Wilson on this team. Zach for- I'd rather have Zach Wilson. What what has shown you and what, what makes you have more faith that Zach Wilson can't come in day one and be better than Jalen Hurts? Because he will be. He will be better day one. You. BYU is where he comes from, correct? Okay. Look at the talent. People are comparing this guy to his talent to Patrick Mahomes. I, I, I didn't, I... And some of the throws that he makes. He's it better doesn't matter until you see what happens on the professional field. Zach Wilson is going to be better than Jalen Hurts. That's all I'm going to say. And then on top of that, you add Jeremy Chin on that defense. Ooh. Max, if you go back, if you go back and reset the draft, let we don't pick Jalen Hurts last year's draft. Now you have Carson Wentz suffering through the same problems. Then what do you have to do? Because then you can't focus your first overall pick on a wide receiver or a cornerback. Then you have to focus it on a quarterback, albeit maybe Justin Fields falls to six. We don't know. But then there, there's multiple problems because then now you have to settle for that quarterback that you may not have wanted who isn't familiar with this team. And then you have no supporting cast around him. So it can go either way. So basically, basically the moral of the story is Howie Roseman really messed up. He could have been yeah. in the Matt Stafford sweepstakes. We could be in for Sam Darnold and take a chance and see if he has an opportunity to play in yeah. a different scheme under Adam Gase because I still think Sam Darnold isn't that bad of a damn quarterback either. Oh, God. Uh, oh, my point oh, is God. I'm not going that route. I'm not going that route. Don't get me wrong. But my point is there's other options besides you just taking that first-round quarterback. I mean, Pull your head out of your ass! Oh, boy. Hey, you haven't given me a single point to why I should buy into Jalen Hurts more than I should have Zach Wilson for an example. If the fact- and – not only that, you guys are over or undervaluing Jeremy Chin in that defense. I mean, that's a guy that would literally be our more, probably our listen, second best defensive I, player. Li- or, listen, or, I'm not under I'm not undervaluing I'm not undervaluing Jeremy Chin. I as I said that I would rather them have picked Jeremy Chin over Jalen Hurts. I've said that on a numerous of occasions because y'all know me. I'm a defensive guy. I care more about defense, of course. I'm gonna lean more towards defense, but Jeremy Chin would have helped this uh, defense in this team overall out a whole lot more than Jalen Hurts have. But I digress. So here's my point to you. you rather have Jalen Hurts in this Carson Wentz drama with no other stud on that defense rather than having either keep Carson Wentz, get rid of him, and get another quarterback and have Jeremy Chin. That's basically what you guys are telling me. <sighs> What we're telling you is we can't time travel. We can't go back and undraft Jalen Hurts. That's not the reality. But I I agree 
We shouldn't have drafted Jalen Hurts second round, but we did. And now it's about how we're building off of that, how this team's going to improve in the future. And right now we're stuck in the middle. There's nothing that this team can do right now that's going to solve anything. Because if you get rid of Carson Wentz, there's cap, a dead cap right there and then. I agree 100%. I agree 100% with you. That's what makes me so frustrated because we're in a we're handcuffed to a freaking tree over there in the corner. That's our problem. We have no cap space. We have a quarterback situation that sucks, and neither of them are that good, in my opinion, at least. And then we have no receivers. Our defense is destroyed. We have Darius Slay is probably our second-best player behind Fletcher Cox. It's ridiculous. We had Zach Ertz, who is going to get traded probably. Two years ago, this was probably the second-best tight end in the league behind Travis Kelsey, and now he's just the guy we want to kick to the street. I mean, this really has just crumbled beneath the floor. And if you look back on any championship team in this entire league, and maybe even in the whole sports world over the past, there hasn't been a team that's going from the top of the mountain to the bottom of the barrel in a snap of a finger. Bunch of low lifes. Oh, man. We can oh, hit man. on the... I wanted to, and I did, because I, I, I think we were going to the same point there. I just wanted to hit on this last point, and it's going to be about you know, this upcoming draft class, because we don't just want to focus on the quarterback situation. We want to focus on the depth of our picks as well. Can Howie Roseman turn this thing around this season? I think we all can agree that won't happen because where's the proof of it in the past. But my issue is if he's not able to hit on some of those gems that you see late third round picks, fourth round picks, how many more years is this guy really going to handcuff the situation? Because, you know, Jeffrey Lurie is the guy that runs this thing and it looks like he's never going to get rid of him. Is there going to be an end to all this? And and that's just where my my frustration lies and where you know my concern is because if we go another draft with not drafting a pro bowler, especially with the sixth pick, like for example, if he doesn't take Jamar Chase, if he doesn't take Devontae Smith and he takes quote unquote a flyer on a different name that we're not familiar with, I'm gonna lose my mind. You're not gonna be the only one. <laughs> I'm going to oh boy. Oh man. If he's not draft able to the yeah. best possible player. I agree. And That's I think the answer drifted as possible. Player. I think we need to get a receiver. And and, and it's because listen, J- if Jalen Hurts is going to be our guy. He's going to need weapons. You're not just going to throw a guy out there and get him destroyed. We saw that what happened to Carson Wentz with that same problem. We can't have that happen, especially because, you know, our offensive line should be a little bit more healthy. But uh, I think with the addition of that offensive line becoming healthy, Lane Johnson, Brandon Brooks, you know, the names go on uh, on that offensive front. It should lead to at least a step in the right direction. And by step, I mean the tiniest of a baby step in the right direction. So, guys, T, I'll throw it over to you. If you missed any of the rest of the show, T, you take it the rest of the way. Uh, go to philly-experience.simplecast.com. Available on all major downloadable platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, the entire Shabazz. And look, all right, I said I was going to do this in the offseason, and I'm going to, you know, with the busy schedule and everything, but I'm going to do a college series. And I'm going to look at film of the at least bare minimum the top 10 ranked players coming out of college. I am not going to like Zach Wilson's film. I'm not. Oh, yeah, you are. You're going to like his film. I hear you humming. I like that college record too, mind you. For this talk, don't expect Shake Milton to be playing in that game. <laughs> because Shake Milton will be out with an ankle injury. Uh, that's beautiful. So nobody buys stock in Jalen Hurst. Bunch of low lifes. You understand what I'm saying to you? You piece of Swiss cheese! What's he here for? He pisses me off.